Welcome to another edition of From the Preacher's Study. Uh, my name is Kevin Clark, and along with Bob Hutto, uh, we'll be teaching uh, this segment. We are still in the book of Ephesians and uh, mining the scriptures for the truths of God's word that are contained therein. want to welcome all of you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to be with us at this time. And uh, hope that you have your Bibles open and that you'll be able to follow along as we continue. We're going to look at some of the same passages that we looked in the last class, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, but look at it through a slightly different lens with a slightly different emphasis. Uh, but before we jump into that, I want to give my colleague uh, Bob an opportunity to see if he has any introductory remarks he'd like to make before we dive into the study. We just want to welcome everyone uh, to, the, to the study today. Hope that we have some things to say that are beneficial, that, that are helpful. Appreciate everybody joining us and supporting us and encouraging us. Uh, we're working our way through Ephesians, like you said. We are we are making progress, mm -hmm. and we we want to uh, you know get enough out of these passages, get get what we can out of these passages in the limited amount of time we set for ourselves. But Amen. but in doing that, we we hope that we do encourage people and help them along the way. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, let's uh, reread the passage that we read from last time, uh, just to refresh our recollection. Ephesians 3, 1 through 7. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Verse 3. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. And we talked last time about the subject of inspiration because Paul references the information, the body of knowledge he has. He credits that to the inspiration of the Spirit, that the Spirit revealed it to him. It wasn't something he got from a fellow man. It wasn't something that he went and studied on his own, but it was revealed by the Spirit to him. He was inspired to write the things that he wrote. And of course, the mystery being referenced here is explained the fact that the Gentiles now can be in a covenant relationship with God, uh, much as the Jews had been in the past, Gentiles hadn't had that blessing. Now they could through Jesus Christ. That's the emphasis. But I want to go back to verses 3 and 4 because I think it's an interesting concept there. The idea that Paul says, the Spirit has revealed information to me. I took the information that the Spirit revealed and I wrote it down. And then after I have written that down, when you come along and read what I wrote down, which was revealed from the Spirit, you will have the same understanding of that information that had been given to me by the Spirit that I have. And why I think that's pretty uh, astonishing is it shows us that the will of God, the revealed will of God, can be understood, which is a concept that a lot of people reject. A lot of people think that the Bible is like a book of poetry, and we know in poetry, I remember always being frustrated in school, not that there's anything wrong with poetry, but I wanted a definite meaning. And people would say, well, it just means whatever it means to you and whatever meaning you assign to it. And it means one thing to this person over here with his life circumstances, and it means something else to somebody over here with her life circumstances. And everybody brings to it something different, and they pull something different out of it. So there was nothing definitive. There was no definite meaning. That's not what's being talked here. 
What's being taught here is that here is Paul. Now think about his background. Paul's a Jew. Paul's a Pharisee. Paul was born in Tarsus, brought up in Jerusalem. Who's he talking to? Well, he says, Gentiles, all over the scripture, verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. So these are people that would have had a different culture than he did, who had a different upbringing than he did, that would have seen the world differently. And yet he says, notwithstanding all those differences, if they're in Christ, Paul, being a Jew, which is completely irrelevant, can write something down and these people, not having the same cultural background, not having the same uh, uh, profession, not having the same education, not taught at the feet of Gamaliel, they could read that and they could understand it. And I think that's an important concept, that the Word of God is accessible to everybody. If you can read the Word of God, you can understand the same things that Paul understood by revelation. So no more do we need to tell people, well, you, you've got to do this, that, and the other, and you know, if you're like me and you have the same cultural background, and, and no, you can understand. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things you have to do to assist yourself in that understanding. But I do think it is encouraging that Paul is making it clear that, you know, in this whole process of revelation to me, writing it down, you read it, notice nothing is lost in that process. And you can say that because he says at the end of that process, you will have the same understanding. You will understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So through the inspiration, through the writing down, through the reading, all of the information that had been conveyed to Paul can be ascertained by the reader. Any thoughts about that? Well, it's interesting that um, if you look at the, just the nature of the writing, uh, the, the, the Bible is written in a human language, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a language that people have spoken right. and communicated to one another through that language mm -hmm. and uh, communicating the idea that was in this person's head to that person, that person understood it and, right. and then acted upon that. And so a human language, a language that's common to people commonly spoken, especially at that particular time. The ordinary rules of mm -hmm. grammar and mm -hmm. syntax are, mm -hmm. are used in Scripture, mm -hmm. the same, same rules of grammar and syntax that, that we use today. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's written to be understood. Absolutely. Common words are used. There's some technical language, sure. and sure. You know, we'll have to define some words, but they're, right. they're common words. Most of the New Testament was written in words that were commonly spoken at that mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's written to be understood. Uh, when Paul writes... He has a message. He, mm -hmm. it, he means something. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is determine what that author meant. Right. What is his intended meaning? Now, it might apply to me mm -hmm. in one way and apply sure. to you right. in another way, right. but his meaning is singular, yeah, isn't it? That's right. This is what he means, and I might take that truth, and I might apply it in one. The significance of that might hit me a little bit differently that's than right. you, but the meaning that right. he's conveying it, he means one thing, and that's what we want to do our best to ascertain. And, and we should be able to do that. Absolutely. We have enough ability and intellect and access and so forth that, that we can do that. If we'll Amen. just put forth a little effort that's right. to, and, and want to understand, oh, it, it's there, we can understand it. You know, when it comes to that, I often think about 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Turn over there very briefly. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. I'm using the New King James Version. It says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the idea that Bible study is work, that you uh, have to exert effort. It takes time. It takes 
uh, devotion. It takes diligence. And I like the idea that we want to present ourselves as a workman who needs not be ashamed. Well, why would you be ashamed? Well, he says the workman who's not ashamed is the one who can rightly divide the word of truth. In other words, the one who can properly understand, properly interpret God's word. But if you can properly interpret something, you can also improperly interpret something, and that would be a shame to you. And so we can, if we work at it, if we exert ourselves, if we're diligent to present ourselves approved to God, we can understand God's word. But it's not necessarily always going to be on the surface. It's not always the phrase we use, low-hanging fruit. It's not always going to be easy. In fact, in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, 15 through 16, uh, Peter says something about the idea that some passages may be more difficult than others. Uh, Paul, uh, Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 3, actually start verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation is also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. Now listen to verse 16. As also in all his epistles, speaking to them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do the, also the rest of the scriptures. So in 2 Peter 3, he's talking about the second coming of the Lord. And he says you need to be looking forward to that. You need to be hastening that. You need to be prepared for that. And in the midst of that, he talks about uh, the epistles that Paul has written. Ephesians would be one of those epistles, obviously. And he says that, first of all, I like this, going to your point last time, according to the wisdom given to him, uh, implying inspiration, something that was revealed to him. But then he says that there are some things that Paul has written in those inspired epistles that are what? hard to understand. And what does that mean? We're going to have to work at it. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. Uh, but he didn't say it was impossible to understand. It's going to take some growth. Another thing, a biblical concept that we see is that when we're baptized into Christ, we are babes in Christ. And as we progress, we grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as we grow, our aptitude increases. You may remember in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, this concept is, is, is made where the writer of Hebrews says, look, you guys have been in the faith long enough that you should be able to teach other people. See the progression? I started as a babe in Christ. I've been lo there long enough. I've studied enough. I've read enough. I've meditated enough. I've grown enough that now I've mastered the material sufficiently that I can teach others. He said that's what should have happened. But it hasn't happened. In fact, you've regressed to the point that you need to be taught, again, the very first principles of Christ that you learned when you were first a babe in Christ. So I say all that to say that, yes, we can understand the Word of God, but not without effort, Bob. Not without right. effort. Now, notice that in your passage, 2 Peter chapter 3, some things are hard to be understood. Yeah, not, not everything. everything. Not everything. Not everything. Right. Good point. Most things are not hard to understand. Right. Some, some things are. That's right. I think a person who doesn't have much experience, if any, in Bible study, if they pick up the book of Mark mm -hmm. and just read it, mm -hmm. they might be surprised at how much they understand That's a good point. Just, just by reading it. Most things can be understood. Like, mm -hmm. like you said, some things are different. The mm -hmm. Bible's not written in a secret code. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, you have to uh, hold the secret to unlock right. the code. Right. No, it's right there. Just read it. Yeah. And, you know, I, if you put a little effort in it, have a little yes. desire to understand, you'll, you'll be able to understand it. It's, Amen. Like, like we said before, it's written in words that we can understand and language we can understand. And uh, if we work at it a little bit, It'll be a lamp to our feet and a light to our eyes. And Amen. So the 19th Psalm says that it makes the simple wise. Amen. And Amen. you might be surprised 
how much you do understand. So that might be uh, mm -hmm. sort of a challenge to people That's who right. are, if you're, if you're not an experienced Bible student, mm -hmm. maybe you haven't read very much in it, what I try to do is get people to start in the book of Mark. Yeah. That's about mm -hmm. Jesus is the central figure. Okay, mm -hmm. let's get right to the central right. figure of the Bible. Let's read about his life, and Mark is a good one. It's, uh, it moves along pretty quickly. Just begin reading Amen. about the book of uh, about the life of Jesus, and I think you'll be surprised at how much you can understand. It's a great point. I was uh, in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, recently, and uh, there was a young man that was at the service was asking, you know, how can I understand the Word of God? And I just gave him some suggestions, like yes, I would start with the Gospels, and maybe then move to the Book of Acts, and kind of get you know the growth of the church and the message, and then kind of pick up some epistles here and there. But you know, the point is that it can be understood. And for those that are intimidated and 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 really feel basically overcome by the challenge. It's really a matter of having a good heart. In John chapter 8, um, Jesus made this point very clear to those who, actually Jews who believed him, but listen to what he says about that. In verse 37 of John chapter 8, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do what you've seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to him, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Now listen to this. Why do you not understand my speech? because you're not able to listen to my word. You have your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he's a liar and the father of him. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Verse 47, he who is of God, hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you're not of God. The point being here, the reason why they couldn't understand God's word is not because it's so esoteric, so difficult, so challenging. They didn't have the intellectual aptitude. He said, your heart is wrong. He said, the word of God has no place in your heart. You, you don't have me in your heart. John 5, 39, he talked about the Pharisees. He said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which speak of me. The problem was they were intellectually capable of understanding, but they didn't have the right heart. And of course, you think about the parable of the sower. Isn't that what it's all about? The one that had the good and the honest heart that was the ground that prevented, uh, presented a lot of fruit. It produced fruit. So the point we're making is, if you want to understand God's Word, have the right heart. Mm -hmm. You can have all the intellect in the world, but if you don't have the right heart, you're not going to get it. And on the flip side, I've known people that didn't even have a high school education who could study the Scriptures with the right heart and be mighty in the Word of God. And so read it with a desire to understand. Read it prayerfully. Yes. Open my eyes, the psalmist says. Open yes. my eyes that I might see wonderful things from your law. And so as you sit down to read, ask God, help me to see, help me to see the things that you want me to see Amen. in this text. Amen. Read it with desire to understand, read it with intent. You know, we're not just reading a list of words, That's but right. reading with intent <laughs> and, and, uh, and we'll, we'll learn, we'll understand it. In Matthew chapter 12, it says that uh, this is the occasion when the uh, Pharisees saw the disciples of Jesus plucking mm -hmm. grain and rubbing mm -hmm. it, and they, they criticized them for that. But look at what Jesus says mm -hmm. in verse 3. Mm -hmm. Haven't you read exactly. what David did? He yeah. expected them yes. to read it and, and be able to understand right. it and apply, apply. it correctly. Yeah. That's right. And so that you know, that's what we're saying. Right. You can read it and understand it and apply it correctly. Amen. First uh, Romans, First Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, all of these New Testament books, not one of them was written to a trained theologian. <laughs> uh, they're all written to ordinary That's people. Right. That's right. Regular people in the first century, members of these local churches. Right. And Paul writes these letters, or Peter or John writes these letters. 
and he expects them to understand. Right. Of course, as we said, writing under the influence of the Spirit, sure, right. but they're expected to understand the message. Amen. And so, That's you know, we, we right. can do it. The, the wonderful thing about the Word of God is that it's simple enough for the yeah, beginner, right. but it's challenging enough for the for the veteran. Absolutely, and that's expect, exactly what we would expect from the a word that has been revealed to us by right. an infinite God. Amen. And if we really appreciate that fact, its origin, where it came from, it ought to cultivate in our hearts a desire to want to read it. And that's the thing I encourage our listeners, read the Word of God on a regular basis. And it's cumulative. You start to read it. The more you read, the more you understand, the more capability you have. You start to see connections between passages. And it's really an exciting journey. Uh, so if you're thinking out there now, I'm overwhelmed. I can't do this. Start with something simple, something foundational. As we said, maybe the book of Mark, uh, move to the book of Acts and kind of get the history of the church, and things will just open up for you, and then move on to some of the epistles that will bring some light to some of the things that were done in the book of Acts. I would add just one thing, Kevin. Remember in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian man mm-hmm. is driving along, yes. and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? Right. And he says, well, how can I let somebody guides me? That's right. You know, you might if, if you struggle, have yes. a little bit a difficult time, yes. maybe find somebody who can give you some guidance. That's a good point. And uh, that might help. Amen. Very much so. Well, we are going to bring this class to an end. We appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for your attention. And I'm going to ask, as we always do, we want to end our class with a word of prayer. And Bob, if I can ask you to lead that for us. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for the opportunity we've had today to look into your word and to study it. Help us, Father, to have that that heart that seeks understanding. Help us to devote ourselves to reading and to studying and uh, learning the things that you would have us to know. Help us to eliminate everything in our heart that might be a hindrance to a clear understanding of your will. And then help us to see, Father, how it applies to us in our particular situation and how we might um, conform our lives to what we find in the Word. You've told us that it's the implanted Word that will save our souls. And help us, Father, to sow that seed of your word into our hearts, our good and honest hearts, and help it to bear good fruit for your cause. Uh, We are thankful for the gift of your son, that he came to this world. He died for our sins, that we can, through him, have fellowship with you. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.